everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 56, a David and Goliath story. You're listening to the Wilderness Tamer podcast, and thank you all for continually tuning in. Now, I want to give a quick shout out to the foreign listeners around the world. Y'all's percentages are growing, and we are in 15 countries, and it truly blows my mind. I, I was like, I didn't expect this. It's really cool to see that my voice is getting out there. I appreciate it, y'all. Keep it up. And to my fellow American followers, raise hell and praise Dale. Now, on this episode, I have Jonathan Moreland on. For you diehard bow hunters, or especially traditional archers, I'm pretty sure y'all have at least seen his name pop up through uh, YouTube or TikTok on how excited this man can get after shooting a 186-inch whitetail with traditional equipment. He's out of the great state of Arkansas, and it was a pretty fun conversation. We get into some details of his uh, Idaho hunting trip and how his friend tagged out on an elk hunt. And we mainly get into whitetail and the kind of the parallels between southern Arkansas and south Georgia. And with that, before y'all listen to this episode, I want to give a huge shout out to the sponsor of the show. And that is Dry Pocket Apparel. They are the future of swimwear that come with an integrated dry bag as a pocket with a self-sealing magnetic strip that is certified and will go a hundred feet down. And it will keep your phone dry as a damn bone. So go check them out on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and as well as drypocketapparel.com. Now, if you see something you want while you're shopping on their online store, Use promo code WILDERNESS to get you 25% off your order. Now, this January, the backpack self-sealing cooler will be coming out. It has different types of skins that you can choose from, from a snow camouflage, a, a wilderness pattern. It's, check them out. Go in there and look. I'm so proud of the progress that this company has made and to be a part of it. I mean, this gear is going to change the scene. I'll just say it like that. So don't forget, Promo Wilderness gets you 25% off. Thank you all for everyone continuing to listen. And a huge thanks to Jonathan for taking the time, man. It was awesome getting to talk to you. So y'all have a good, safe weekend. And to all my hunters out there, shoot straight, check behind your target, and put them on the dirt. Y'all have a good weekend. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 56, A David and Goliath Story. My guest is Jonathan Moreland. Let's get him on the phone and get this podcast rolling. Hello? Hey, man, how are you? Good, man. Thank you for taking the time to come on. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. No and problem. I, also, I want to apologize. I really hadn't called you before this, but it's just been so dang busy, man. It's been crazy. I, I, trust me, I, I totally understand, especially this time of year when when we're trying to hunt after work and all that. So. Oh, for sure, for sure. Well, if you want to, well, I'll do this. Welcome to the Wilderness yeah. Tamer podcast. And if you want oh, to, introduce sure. yourself. So the people who don't know you will. <laughs> Jonathan Moreland and uh, from South Arkansas, Dumas, Arkansas, Southeast Arkansas. Um, just kind of grew up hunting, fishing like any Arkansan would. <laughs> uh, you know, that's basically that's a big part of my life. So, uh, started bow hunting when I guess I was about fourteen. I think so when I started bow hunting, and then just kind of fell in love with that. And then uh, over the last 11, 12 years or so, I've I've got into traditional bow hunting which is uh something i'm i'm pretty passionate about and i spend my time uh trying to do that as much as i can i heard that and that keeps a full plate man because it is a perishable skill <laughs> yeah there's definitely uh definitely a lot of work goes into it but it's uh or i'm not gonna say work there's a lot of effort that goes into it but it's you know it's uh it's really fun and, and keeps me keeps me interested in it Oh, for sure, because that's I've kind of come back full circle. I grew up shooting tournaments, and I started hunting about 13 with a bow. And the only reason I started shooting tournaments was to get better as a bow hunter. But uh, yeah. 
I got burned out on it for a little bit and I uh, got back into it and the compound didn't interest me. Only a, you know, a traditional bow did. So yeah. I got me a Montana longbow and I ain't looked back since. Oh yeah. So that's a good bow. That's a good bow. Yeah. It's a 60 pounder. It's a solid one. He'll sling them. Oh, it is solid. Yeah. <laughs> so man, I want to hear about this Idaho trip. Then we'll kind of get into the other details, but I've elk hunting is high on my list. And I'm trying to take in as much information as I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm probably the last guy you want to talk to about elk hunting. Uh, you know, I, I, I guess it's my third year now that I've been out there. But I, I actually, this year, we had a good trip. My buddy killed before I got out there. But I actually didn't have an elk tag this year. So I had a, I went out there after a bear, had a bear tag. Sweet. And, uh, never, never saw a bear, never had an encounter with a bear, but we, you know, had a good time. Oh man. Anytime out in the woods and especially like Idaho, it's kind of coming around now thanks to social media, but, uh, it's one of those states you really don't think about, but they say it's one of the most beautiful states you can go to and hunt. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's, uh, it really is, uh, it really is beautiful country up there. Now, are y'all hunting over the counter tags or uh lottery system? So this is a this was a draw unit that we were in. Uh like I say, my buddy drew a tag and he, he killed a good bull and then uh it was over the counter for a bear in that unit. So I, I went up and was gonna uh just help out with the hunt with him, which he actually killed the day before I got there. So <laughs> Heck uh, yeah. <laughs> that kinda, worked out for the better, huh? So we so we uh tried to get a bear but come up unsuccessful with that but had a good time trying anyways and that's just public land diy right 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 absolutely and that's kind of i've i'm kind of going between should i go for my first year should i do a guided hunt so i kind of know what to look for or i talk other guys i've talked to they just straight raw dogged it diy and been successful i mean i'll be happy with a cow i mean i'll be grinning ear to ear yep yeah i would i would be happy with a cow i'd say i I don't necessarily count this year because I didn't have a tag, but the last few years, uh, you know, I've come up short and I'm just, I'm just elk hunting. I'm not looking for a bull, just an elk with my stick bow. And it's, uh, it's a challenge for sure. And I, I've yet, I've yet to kill one. So yeah, oh, I bet. that's something, something I'm still working on. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. Now, uh, are y'all just camping or y'all got a, like a camper or something? No, we were well backpack hunting. So we, we bring our tents and stuff on our back and, the whole shebang so it's uh you know it's fun just doing that just getting out there and doing that that's what i've kind of wanted to plan like a backpacking like trout fishing trip up there one just so i can get used yep. to the scenery and all that and uh, uh but also you know just get used to everything and just get a lay of the land for the main thing yeah yeah but uh all right were you both you said you were stick bow hunting right yes yes yeah okay what yeah, kind I'm of boat are you shooting about- now um, you know, I'll mix it up a little bit. I, I shoot a longbow and a recurve. Uh, I took my recurve up there to Idaho. Mm. I'm pretty, pretty confident with it out, out to about 40 yards. Heard um, that. But I, you know, I change it up a lot. Um, I shoot a, a Tolki whip longbow and then I shoot a, a Bob Lee recurve. Okay. Um, yeah. Both very good so, names. <laughs> So one day I may pick up the recurve and one day I may pick up the longbow. It's just kind of what I'm, what day, what I'm feeling. I heard that. And it's good to be able to shoot different like that too. You just never know. Cause yep. there are a difference between the two. Which one do you kind of prefer? I know it probably depends on the day, but. Well, you know, it's, it's definitely personal preference. Uh, I, I definitely can shoot recurve a lot better, uh, but. I have a lot of confidence in the, in the longbow that the longbow is my, my favorite bow that I have mm-hmm. just because I've had a lot of, you know, I've had a lot of good adventures with it. So a lot of times if I pick up that longbow, something, something's about to die. So, <laughs> Cause you know, in that, kinda, didn't you use the longbow on that big buck you shot? I did. I killed him with the longbow. Yeah. Cause that's how I come across you. And then I noticed you like blew up on TikTok and Instagram because man, I was rolling when I watched that video for the first time after you shot that deer. It yeah, was awesome. <laughs> I tend to get excited sometimes. I, hey, you, you know. ought to see me shoot a doe on public land. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you. I can relate. Yeah. Uh, nothing like 
So kind of transitioning, when did you get into whitetail hunting? Is this something you've done from a young age? Oh, yeah. I, I grew up uh, deer hunting. Yeah, I, I, I think I killed my first deer when I was seven or eight. And Yeah, that, that's a, just a lifestyle down here in Arkansas. That's that's what we do, uh, whitetail hunt. So That's how it is in Georgia, too. If you're not, if you, if you don't like it, you're still going to go. <laughs> okay, so you're, okay, you're in Georgia. Yeah, it's very south Georgia. Okay. It's about, I can okay. ride my four-wheeler to the Florida line in about five minutes. So we're down here yeah, in the it's, swamps. Uh, it's it's deer and ducks here, and I'm not I'm not into the ducks. Got a lot of buddies that are big into duck hunting. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm too busy trying to chase a deer during that time. Well, that's what growing up, me and my my dad wasn't he didn't grow up hunting and all that, so we kind of got into it together. And I killed my first deer at 11, but we started out duck hunting, coon hunting, and all that. But it just to me the meat yield ain't there, and it's just a lot of work for some damn birds. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. to each his own. Everybody's got their own sure. boss. <laughs> right. But uh, so, anyways, like you say, you started. You shot your deer at first thirteen. Was that with a compound or a traditional bow? Uh, no. So my first was with the compound. Okay. Uh, had a little old, little old Hoyt MT Sport. Is Heard what that. that bow was. Uh, me and my my brother went and bought the same exact bows and started hunting with those. And uh, I think I went from that bow to a a Matthews LX. I yep. got rid of that bow and went to a Bowtech Tribute. And from that bow is when I went to the recurve. So, yeah, uh, that's because I got, when I say I got burned out with my shooting, when I decided to get back into it, I went back to our local archer shop. And when I, after I shot the Matthews, the Bowtech, and the Hoyt, let alone did they all look the same, felt the same, and shot the same. I was just like, man, this thing's like a high precision rifle. I was just so blown away at the technology and how much it jumped over the seven to eight years that I kind of just got out of it because I got right. ended up getting married and all that. You know, just life happens. But yep. uh, it's just one of the things that's what was a major deciding factor for me. I was like, not tooting my horn here, but I used to shoot long distance tournaments like FIDA, 3D on the national level and stuff like that, and I just uh -huh. didn't see the. Well, I guess the interest i guess should say i felt more of a challenge i get more of a challenge from a traditional bow yeah and yeah, i love no it I, I feel pretty confident out to 30 yards i've been hunting about three two and a half years now so i like it yeah i mean it's you, like carrying uh, a 22 in the woods you can shoot anything you want as long as you got a stump head <laughs> <laughs> yeah man it's fun and it you know it's it's one of those deals you, when you go traditional and, and start bowing with it you know you it, it just makes you a better hunter because you have to pay, really paying attention to detail and you know to try to get yourself in that in that really yes close proximity of the animal you're chasing so it you've you definitely know, got to slow down it, yeah it just makes it it just makes it that much better oh know? yeah now let me ask you this do you do a lot of public land hunting or do y'all have like some family farms up there i do uh, a lot of public land hunting and then i also have a couple uh, or one lease that I hunt uh, with a couple guys and uh, a little bit of private pockets here and there, but it's, I'm probably, you know, depending on the year, I, I, I like to try to find me a good deer. So whether he's open public or, or some of the private I have access to, that's, that's normally what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to chase. Yeah. You know, we're only allowed, we're only allowed two books statewide here in Arkansas. And we have a, a really long season from October through February. So wow. that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So I try to, I try to find the big deer. I want to kill a big deer just like, just like anybody does. But you know, with that being said, I'm definitely not, I don't class myself as a trophy hunter. I mean, if I, if I have a good opportunity with my stick bow and it, and my blood's pumping, then, you know, oh, I'm yeah. slinging. So, hey man, you take you what know. the woods give you. That's just how it is. I mean, just like the old Indians, yep. <laughs> don't be picky. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so far this year, I've been out, scouted a lot. As far as, a, you know, a really what people would call a big deer, it's pretty slow. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of holding out, hoping something may show. I may find something. But I can tell you, you know, in a, in a couple more weeks, I, I'm going to really start itching. So I heard that. What's y'all's temperatures like up there right now? We got in a few days ago that really dropped the temps. Um, last couple of days it's been 
50, 60 degrees, which okay. has been nice. But actually today it kind of hopped back up to the 70s and it's going to get warm this weekend. So Yep. We had our first frost today, but it was already, it was in the 70s by like 10 o'clock. So Yeah. <laughs> so which we've had, uh, the same temperature wise. Had, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We've had some extremely dry weather uh, the last month. Hadn't rained in almost, or probably over a month now. Well, we've been yeah, getting it. I'll had. tell you that. Really? <laughs> yes. For a while there, it was okay. getting bad. Well, we need some of it. We, no, I hadn't rained in a month here, so it's uh, the woods actually look like it's withered. It's mid mid November. Yes, it's it's Damn. pretty wild right now. Yep. Now, how's y'all's acorn crop looking? Because well, I went opening. I've only been hunting one time this season because started a new job about eight months ago, and it's been falls to the wall to say the least. Um, yeah. Our acorn crop really ain't come out yet, but the like persimmons and crab apples are coming in pretty good down here. How about y'all? Yeah, it's, it's, it's spotty on which area you're in. Uh, I was actually out yesterday all day and we had a good persimmon crop this year, which, which a lot of them have already dropped out because of the dry temps. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them have dropped out. And then, uh, the area I hunt, we have a lot of red oaks and they're skippy. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of the, my favorite trees that I've been around to check, uh, haven't produced this year. And then I've, I've seen some trees produced this year that normally don't produce. So it's kind of skippy. Yeah. On isn't there like a two year cycle for oak trees or something like that? If I ain't mistaken, aren't they like it's every two years or so many years that they produce good, then they'll go kind of dormant some years or something like that. Well, so you've got two different species. You've got got the white oaks and the red oaks and I, I believe the white oaks are a one-year cycle and then the red oaks are actually the two-year cycle so but that doesn't necessarily mean doesn't mean that they can't produce every year it just depends on so like the red oaks you know they're like if you if you're seeing acorns this year they were forming last year so it, it all depends on mm -hmm. the you know when the frost hits them and all that so yeah, it is true. possible that that your red oak can produce year after year as long as you know weather permitting i heard that okay now let me ask you this now if you're for public land hunting if you're coming onto a new piece of property what are you what do you tend to gravitate towards transition areas pinch points feeding trees so it's all relative to the time of year okay. um so if i were to go out today uh today's the what 19th mm -hmm. uh, i'm looking i'm looking for some kind of feed tree uh this early um now as you get closer to the rut that's where i'm looking for a funnel or some kind of transition area and then i'm going back to the feed trees around late december january okay all right that makes sense now when does y'all's rut kick in kind of because ours in georgia it can if what i call the flatwoods which is majority dog hunting area it's just real flat uh -huh. scrub brush it'll start right opening day of rifle season i mean if it, they're going it don't matter but yep. it's like a heat wave it pushes west as it goes further back because i mean just i'd say another 30 minutes past that or on the other side of valdosta which i know you probably don't know where that's at it's about mid i'd say beginning of november almost towards the end of it okay so it's different so, it's crazy how it can vary down here and it's a very small region yeah so here uh where i'm at in the southern part of the state your prime the prime rut is going to be that Thanksgiving week, yep. first week of December. That was just about to say, usually Thanksgiving, if we ain't in shorts, yeah. it's going to be probably yeah. a good, yeah. good weekend to yep. hunt. Yep, and that's that's here. You know, you may wake up, it may be 35 degrees, or you can wake up and it'll be 75 degrees. So that's, yes. that's Arkansas weather for you. Get four seasons in one day. Uh-huh. Uh. But, yeah, no doubt that Thanksgiving week is, is probably the prime week, which is – it's good and bad because you know a lot of people are off work for that Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. which is good good for those people. But it's it's also can be bad too on public land because that's the, probably the most pressured week there is. So. Yes, that orange <laughs> army. I'm going to be dealing that with next weekend because I went on a five day hunt and yeah. just hearing through the grapevine, they said they had so many applicants that year because a lot of my dad's friends and some college or some of my customers that I actually work with, they uh, they didn't get drawn. But luckily, me, my dad, and my brother-in-law did. So this is going to be one of them days. You just got to grin and bear it, stay out there longer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Like a sandwich. 
But uh, so kind of getting into that, how do you deal with public pressure and how to get her try to stay on the outside of it? Yeah, so I, you know, if I'm hunting an area that's going to have a lot of pressure, I normally a lot of the areas, the WMAs I hunt that are public, I know fairly well. And I know when the pressure's coming and I kind of use that pressure to my advantage. That's when I'm going to start trying to find some areas. Uh, and I want to get in those areas when the pressure moves in to, to try to catch a deer, you know, that's, that's being bumped from the pressure. Mm-hmm. That's what I try to get in earlier and I definitely stay later because you know, with them guys, right. most people, nine thirty, ten o'clock, they call it most of the time. Yeah. yeah you definitely want to be, you know, when it's that time of year, when the, when the pressure's heavy, you definitely want to be in the tree, you know, well before daylight and you definitely want to stay in the tree for that midday action mm-hmm. because that's when they're going to get, you know, up on their feet. And like you said, people leaving to go have breakfast or whatever. <laughs> get cold, get hungry. That, yep. you know, <laughs> yeah, yep. There's been many times I had to do that myself. It just kind of, you talk yourself into it, but it is what it is. Yep. Bring a, bring a sandwich and, and hang tight. For sure. Now, let me ask you this. How do you feel about grunting and rattling? Because down here, I, and I've hunted all over Georgia, but I could count on one hand how many times I've actually heard deer fighting in the woods, and I didn't even know what it yep. was at first. I was like, what the hell yep. is that sound? And then it just clicked to me. I was like, I'll be damned. And this was like on the other ridge over. You could hear it echoing through because I was up about middle north Georgia. Yeah. And, so uh, I am like grunting. I've never really had any luck grunting either. So. Yeah. So I don't call a whole lot. Uh, there are a lot of guys down here that do and they, and they have success doing that. I don't necessarily call a lot, and I actually don't even like to call in the blind. Now, I will I always have a grunt tube on me, Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've grunted in a lot of deer, but I like to have my eyes on them. That way I can see what his body behavior is like, and I know when I need to grunt. So if I have one, you know, working a ridge that's 100 yards off or something and going the other way, and I'm trying to get him to me, you know, I might hit him with the grunt. Uh, and I've grunted in a lot of deer like that. But I, I'm not the guy that just sits up there every 15 minutes banging on horns and grunting. Yeah, uh, I've I, tried it. But I've, I've tried just, it, but, yeah. but the time, you know, I just I just don't have a lot of luck here in South Arkansas doing that. Now, I went to Kansas, or, uh, I'm sorry, I went to Iowa a couple years ago. Oh, wow. And, and I can tell you, if you ever go to Iowa to get to hunt Iowa, you do you pick your grunt call and your horns up before you pick your bow up. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, see, that's because, I want to plan me a western hunt too. I want to start with my western whitetail, graduate to mule deer, maybe an antelope might skip it, but I kind of just want to stair step it, you know, then work my way up to the last. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. my dream. Yeah, um, the calling, you know, it's and I always grew up watching that on TV, and I thought, man, you know, it, it just doesn't work down here mm-hmm. and then when i went to iowa i realized you know it works up there but you know nothing like down here yeah uh, do you think that's just due to kind of because there's a lot of, it seems like there's a lot of parallels between your region and mine do you think it's just the influx of hunters and all that i think it's less you know up there where i was at it's, it's obviously there's less hunting pressure up there i mean it took me five years to get get that archery iowa tag God, so really less pressure and they do have quite a bit of deer so you know that has a lot to do with it yeah. um i've had a lot of friends hunt illinois and uh like iowa and uh they say usually just get on a fence line man and just wait get on a game trail and wait and he said a big yeah. buck down here in georgia he said let it walk he said mac daddy's gonna be coming down the trail after him some big deer up there for sure oh yeah so where all of you say you hunted Iowa, where else have you hunted for whitetail? I only hunted Iowa once. And uh, years ago, I hunted the panhandle of Texas for like three days. Oh, cool. Doe. How'd that go? Uh, and I, man, it was it was okay. Nothing special. Uh, I went up there with a buddy. He had a lease up there. And uh, like I said, I killed one doe that trip. Uh, and that was, oh man, that was probably 15 years ago. <laughs> that. Uh, and then I hunted, uh, hunted Northern Missouri one time, uh, during Thanksgiving week. And I remember it was, it was freakishly 
cold temperatures, as coldest I've ever been in my mm. life. Uh, saw quite a few deer, but it it was uh, you know it was good hunt, but didn't didn't kill anything on that hunt. So yeah, those are the only three only three times that I've that I've whitetail hunted outside the state of Arkansas. Hey, those are pretty good pretty good states though. Shoot, yeah, but <laughs> I'm list. actually uh I'm headed to headed to Kansas this year for the first time in November. So oh sweet, y'all public land hunting out there. Yes, we are. Uh, gonna gonna hunt uh, the northern part of Kansas and, and try it out. Heck yeah! Now let me ask you this: uh, Do you run saddle, or do you try to stick with more of a lock-on style stand? So I have up until this point, I've been one hundred percent either climber or lock-on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do, I do, I actually have a saddle that I that I am going to try. Uh, and I've always been the guy that knock the saddle hunter, but you know I, I've never tried it, so I really don't have the right to do that. So I am going to try it a couple times, uh, just to see how it goes and see if I can make it work with my stick. Yeah, but, that's uh, what no, I'm kind of worried always, about. Yeah, so uh, no, I've always uh, it's either been a climber lock on uh, ever since I ever since I started bow hunting. That's I mean we started with old fifty pound Walmart climbers. And then I finally yep. graduated up to a millennium. I've been hunting out of that sucker since. Yep. Yeah, I started a uh, climber. I've, I've only used a uh, a summit, and I've killed God knows how many deer out of them. You know, they're they're mm-hmm. not the easiest packing stand or the lightest out there, but they work for me, and I, I'm familiar with them, so I've always used a summit. Yep. I think uh, that's what my dad has. He has, what they, is it the Fat Boy version or Goliath version? Probably because uh, my brother's a he's a big old boy and I think he has that Goliath climber. So yeah, that's my dad. We're all like six three, six four. We're some big old southern boys, corn fed. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's uh that's like my brother. So yeah, you're you're definitely in that Goliath, or I think they got one called the Titan or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so. and it his is fairly lightweight, and I do like the new locking system they have on it. It looks a lot more secure, unlike the old. I still got my old Walmart climber that I'll use every now and again, but I damn sure ain't packing it like I used to. I'd yeah. put it on my back in there and I'd go off, which, like I said, me and my dad both started hunting together, so we did it the very hardest way we could. <laughs> we had yeah. to learn, you know. Yeah, lock-on-wise, man, I've used just about every lock-on you can think of out there. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I really like the the little Millennium, the M. I think they're the M7 or whatever. I probably yeah. Used. I wouldn't mind getting one of those just to have a little bit lighter kit. Yeah, yeah. I heard that. But uh, now how yeah, about uh, uh, like rubs and scrapes and stuff? Do you give any of those attention when you're looking? Because I've made the mistake as a hunter is trying to put. I think I put too much time in them at times. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, a deer ain't coming until it's not to visit those places. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, I won't say that I don't pay attention to them because I do. I mean, everybody likes to see rubs and scrapes. Yeah, yeah it's a good little, sign. There's little, no, there's buck in the area, at least. Right. But, you know, I, especially this time of year, uh, like I say, if I can, and in my areas, we have lots of, of different species of feed trees. So I'm, I'm trying to key in on that because a deer has to eat. And sure. if I can find a hot feed tree and have an idea where that buck's bedding at and get the wind right, that's that's what I'm looking for this time of year. What's on, what are your uh, key feed trees that you're looking for? So in my area, we have uh, persimmon. Uh-huh. Early, you're going to have you're going to be focused on your persimmon or your honey locust. Uh, honey locust. And what does that look like? So a honey locust is a is a it's a long, it, it's a long bean pod about some of them, you know, 12, 13 inches long. Some of them, some of them be shorter, but it's a, it's a sweet smelling bean pod that they really like. They drop early. Okay. They don't hammer them as hard as like an acorn or something like that. But they really like the honey locusts and, and some of my best hunts. like to scrape around them and, and, and rub around them. So for whatever reason, I, I can't tell you why, but but a lot of times 
uh, if you can find you a hot honey locust, there's there's going to be a buck using using that tree. Oh, cool. Uh, right. Yeah. Matter of fact, the, I guess he'd be the second largest deer I ever killed on public. Well, the biggest I've killed on public land. I I, I killed him over a honey locust tree uh, early November one year. So hmm. I really like those early for uh, Simmons, and then you've got water oaks or what I call pin oaks. And uh, in this area, we've got a lot of red oaks. And the red oaks don't typically start dropping until uh, that first week of November is when normally your first ones will start dropping. And then some red oaks will hold acres until January before they start dropping. So they're they're a good tree to key in on later in the year. Mm-hmm. If you can find one, whatever time that tree's dropping to, you know, kind of give you a, a little time to – you know, those last couple months of season, you, you know, you can, you might get lucky and find a tree starting in January dropping, which is a good hot spot late. Oh yeah. That actually will be a good spot to start. That's what luckily Georgia, they, for the longest time, we start so early and it's so damn hot. I almost wish they'd let us start a little bit later and carry on. even if it's just buck only. Now they yeah. did extend our season until January 31st, which is pretty good for, but it's archery only after December, which is fine with me. Yeah. But uh, it's just so dang hot. We only got probably, I can count on one hand that how many days touched 30 degrees down here. It was bad last year. But uh, like I work at, even during the season, I work at a deer processor, just wanting to get free processing fee and all that. And uh, he broke his record from the year before, but it wasn't by much. What's that? I'm sorry, you were breaking up there. Yeah, that's why I'm sorry. It's probably down here in this tin roof I got over me. But I was saying that I've worked at a deer processor from last year, and it he just barely broke over his record they did the year before. So the deer movement was good, but it wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. So kind of getting into the good state of Arkansas, I know Clay Newcomb's kind of put it on the map for y'all. What kind of variety of wildlife do y'all have up in there in that state? Oh, we've got your main – Game animals would be whitetail, uh, turkey. The northern part of the state has bear. We have bear also, a lot of bear actually, but our season in the south is only a few days um, in November. We're on a quota down here in the south. Yeah, we are too. It's like a week long. That's right. That's that's how ours works. And I think actually in the area I live in, I think our quota is ten. So once that once ten bears have been killed, they you know they shut season down and normally. Normally only last four or five days. Damn, that sucks. Uh, the, the, yeah, so I bet that happens northern quick. Part of, northern part of Arkansas, uh, I believe. I believe they have a quarter too, but it's more like you know three hundred fifty, four hundred bears, something like that. So, damn. Now, are those like just can you buy over the counter tags, or do you got to put it in a draw system, or you there? Yeah, can you hear me? You hear me now? Hello. Hey. Oh no. Can you hear me now? Hello. Good old technology. Can you hear me now? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you good. Okay, I got you now. Um, I, I'm not sure. I don't. I don't remember what you were asking me. I don't know if we broke up. <laughs> Man, there you're good. I was just talking about the how. Uh, hold on, let me go back. All right, I was saying is the bears that over like is it over the counter or the lottery system for y'all's tags? No, it's 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 over the counter. Okay, uh, so it's first come, first there. serve. Whoever can get it, then, huh? Yep, yep. You, uh, you know, I think uh, on the public land up there, you just you kill and then you call. There's a certain number you call to check, and I think you have to actually pull a pull a tooth out of him and uh, check him. And then once, you know, once that unit meets that quota, they shut the season down, which I'll. You know, I'm not real familiar with the northern part of the state, but I'm not sure if they ever even meet their quota. So I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure it runs runs through the entire whatever that season length is. I think it runs through most of the time. Yeah, bear hunting really ain't that big. I mean, they're if, if it's big down south, it's because it's dog hunters. I myself, I've been wanting to go up to North Georgia. We got a place called J up there, and it's in it's the bear capital of Georgia. For per capita, there's so many black bears per mile. It's a very uh, dense population. Have you had a chance to kill a black bear yet? I have not. I, I've never killed a killed a bear before. Yeah, I've had a cousin do it up there, and he. Uh, it's a very intuitive process, like you're saying, where you pretty much got to take it up to the DNR, 
and I believe it's just the skull and hide will work so they can get their measurements. But uh, I don't know if you got to take any meat off, but I've had black bear before. It's okay. I'm not going to go salt after for it like a white tail though. <laughs> Yeah. But I would like to take it, uh, have a black bear on my list though. Dang sure get a rug. No doubt. So, yeah, I, I usually down there, I see them all the time. We've got a lot in the area to hunt, but normally if I ever, if I'm ever in the stand and, and one rolls through, usually season is already shut down. So that's usually how my luck runs, which I'm, I'm focused on deer this time of year. I'm not too worried about a bear. Yeah. We, on an old hunting club, I was on about a year and a half, yeah, a year or two years ago. I can't remember. We had about a 400 pounder roaming between our stands and that sucker broke every feeder I put out there. I mean, I had wood ones. I got to the point where I was like, I don't even forget it. I'm just going to pour it on the ground and let them have it, whatever. Yeah. But luckily we never encountered each other, but it was always, we'd have them on camera though. He was a big one. <laughs> yeah, they're hell on all these guys around feed, run feeders. They're, they're pretty bad on them around here as well. Well, I'll tell you this, his... I he had some scratch marks on a pine tree where, like you can tell he's rubbing his back i'm six four and his claw marks were above my head so that told me <laughs> if he stood up we'd probably be looking eye to eye at least <laughs> and that would be a pucker factor of a thousand. Oh yeah but uh i kind of i want to get into the story of that 186 inch whitetail that is mind-blowing on how big of a deer that is and that is a lot of bone walking through the woods. Yeah, so, you know, that deal, uh, I had no, no idea. So, talking about that big Bucky shot, and I want to hear the story with that, about that, because didn't you have a little bit of history before you shot him? So, actually, I didn't. I, I never, I had no clue that deer existed. Oh, um, well, that's even better. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I actually had another deer that I was that I was focused on, um, and try to think back. I believe it was uh the first couple days of October. I made a loop to check some trail cams, and the last trail camera I checked that day, I had a picture of him under a persimmon tree at night. I bet and, your jaw hit the floor, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, because in my area where I hunt, I mean, I've, I've never once, in, I mean, I've never had an, I've never seen a deer like that, never had an opportunity to deer like that. So, so yeah, when I saw that picture, I, I, I pretty much freaked out. And from that second, I told myself, I'll, I'll do whatever I can possibly do to try to kill this deer. <laughs> yes, he is mission uh, one, Defcon Delta. He is hitting the dirt. Yeah, so I, man, I immediately... When I got to where I had some cell signal, I, I called my brother and told him, "Was like, man, you're you're not going to believe what the hell I've got on camera." And uh, from that from that day, you know, I pretty much I gave everything I had to try to try to kill that deer. Um, and I got I got really lucky that evening. I mean that that day. I think it was the 2nd of October, and the picture of him was on, I believe it was the 26th or 27th of September is when the actual picture was taken. Uh, that evening, I, I told my brother that I was going to hunt an area that was not far from there. I, it was probably a half mile from there. Uh, there was some uh, pin oaks dropping, and I thought, you know, I'll go there and try to try to kill me a doe this evening, and then I'll scout the following day and sling cameras and try to figure out where this big deer is at. Mm -hmm. Well, that evening, yeah, I probably wasn't sitting in the tree an hour, and I hear something coming running through the thicket, and I look up, and it is that deer with a coyote running him through the thicket. I'll be dang. So that let me, you know, I was shocked to see him that day, but that, that let me know where he was at, kind of where he was bedding. Yeah. General direction and, where uh, he was coming from. Yeah, General direction. And, and to try to make a super long story short, I guess. All uh, right. We got time, dude. You good. <laughs> okay. So anyway, uh, so I saw him in and I thought, well, I'm, I'm in the area. Well, I naturally thought that that coyote run him out of the country. So, that night, 
I had a trail camera with me. I placed a trail camera on one of those trees and uh, went scouting the next day and did like I was going to do, slung cameras everywhere. And I come back to that that same spot that late that evening I was going to hunt, try it again. And I just, something told me, I said, well, just go ahead and check, check that card and that camera, see if anything come in there last night. And this was about 3.30 in the evening, and I had him on camera. He was there a couple hours before I got there. Damn. Um, so I hunted that evening, didn't see him. Uh, left, and I waited till I got the wind right again, which was what I thought was the right wind. And I went back in. Oh, I, I can't remember now. I think it was the 3rd or 4th of October, just a few days later, and I saw him again and he's working his way toward me uh and a hog comes out of the thicket and spooks him off god so that happens and i'm like well it'd be a hog hunt then instantly yeah (laughs) yeah so i i I ended up shooting that hog actually heck yeah and uh Fast forward to, I think it was the 13th, hunting him a few days when the wind right, no good. I ended up moving moving locations a little ways. I picked him up on camera a couple hundred yards from that area mm-hmm. on another another pin oak that was dropping. This is the 13th of October now. And uh, he comes in right at dark to this tree I'm set up on. Uh, and I make a bad shot on him. Hit him, hit him top of the hill. Oof, yeah. And, uh, me and my brother that night, we give him some time. We go look, find no blood or anything. So we get out of there. I call a buddy that's got a dog. We go in the next morning. Uh, the dog finds my arrow about 150, couple hundred yards from where I shot him. And when I saw that arrow, I realized real quick that I, that I did not make a fatal shot on that deer at all. Yeah, just a muscle hit. Yeah, so we I got we got the hell out of there. Uh, I carried him back to his truck, and then I went back, and I was going to start slinging cameras all along that thicket that he run into to try to see if I could pick him up, mm-hmm. you know, coming back out or wherever. I just slung cameras everywhere. Well, that evening, on my way out, I had another camera that was placed a couple hundred yards from where I shot him. And when I got home that night before I got in the shower, I popped that card in the computer and I had a picture of him about eight hours after I, after I shot him. Uh, he wasn't hurt at all. Well, that's cool. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. So that let me know that I had another opportunity at him. And so I got right back in there on him. Uh, ended up, he ended up moving a little, another, he moved a pretty good ways on me within that last part of October. Uh, there were some nut off trees that started dropping. Uh, what would you say his total ra- like ranging area wise? Would it be within a mile or a couple miles? He stayed within a mile. Uh, everywhere I hunted him was within a was within a mile block of, of timber. There. Okay, so he's uh, more of a homebody yeah. deer then. Yeah, he definitely he definitely was a tight homebody deer. Which I mean, hell, uh, to get that big, he had to be. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, I saw him, I believe it was uh, the 30th, I saw him, he got by me again, he was following a doe, I couldn't get a shot, and then I saw him Halloween morning, headed back to what he let me know was his bed, I saw him that morning from the same tree, and then I got down immediately, after well about an hour after seeing him, and I eased to where he was walking to and I come across a, another nut off tree that was dropping right on the edge of a thicket and they had it tore up right there and I knew I would I would get a shot at that deer right there so I sat up there for a little while that during that midday it was it was the full moon mm-hmm. uh hoping he might come back out which I didn't see him. uh and then the winds shifted that evening so I decided to get out of there and I come back the next day to hunt the same tree wind was right uh literally climbed up in the tree uh i actually i I try to film some of my stuff so i was filming all this this hunt as it's going on and uh 
did a little intro to the camera and was planning to sit all night. And within 20 minutes of me shutting the camera off, I looked up and, and he come out of the thicket and was at that tree mm. and ended up trying to walk right under me. And, uh, I sent one in, put air through him and the rest is history. I heard that, man. That, I mean, it was an awesome video. It was cool. Like I said, you made it on TikTok. You were everywhere for a while. <laughs> yeah. The TikTokers really kind of run with it and all that, but it was a, it was a, you know, it was just a, Man, you know, that'll never happen again for me. You know, that's just a once in a lifetime. Yeah. I mean, that's almost like paying a pay to go hunting a high fence type of deer. You know what I mean? I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was unreal. And just, just the way that all the events unfolded, you know, I don't, I don't think that nothing like that will ever, ever, I hope it does, but I don't think it realistically, nothing like that will ever happen. It'll be very hard to beat. I would say that. Yeah. I think I'd just be a meat hunter after that one, which that's, all we're there for anyway but no i'm just as happy well i you know i I love hunting and killing deer so that was a cool deal but uh but yeah uh i i you know and i was glad i killed him because i'm I'm telling you i was i was a stressed out stressed out man there for about a month i can tell you oh i guarantee it especially after putting one in them and not uh getting them down man that just makes you feel lower than low yeah it was a it was a rough that was probably that was one of the rougher nights of my life. I can I can tell you that. Now chasing big bucks is a totally different game. I consider it because I myself I've seen some mighty big deer on the hoof, but I'll be admit I made mistakes for the shot. Just one just couldn't shoot because I did it on the road or something. You know, just seen them like that. But when you do you how much attention do you give the wind and like say the moon phase and all that? So I give the wind a lot of attention. Uh, I mean, I, I try, and you, you, it's not always going to work out perfect, but I really try to set up with, you know, with the wind in my face. I, I'm not a believer in scent killer and all that bullshit. That was my next so, question. Do you believe in that snake oil, even no, though I use no, it? <laughs> no, I mean, no, no, I don't, and I don't knock anybody that does. Just to each their own, but yeah. I don't. I, I don't, uh, I'll just leave it at that. But, uh, no, I hunt the wind and, uh, you know, obviously I, I try to get the wind in my face, but you know, a lot of times when you've heard, hear people talk about, you know, trying to give the deer the wind a little bit, it's just, you know, a lot of times that just off wind is perfect, you know, where they can't pick you up. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I really pay attention to the wind for sure. Uh, the moon phase, I I pay attention to it, but that's just total, just because I'm curious what the moon, what the position is for that day. But I, you know, I have to work. I have a normal job like everybody else, so I don't plan my hunts around the moon. I just go hunting every opportunity I get. Yeah, um, that's the next big factor too is – you can have all the preparations you want, but it really boils down to having your ass in that stand. That's all it yep. comes down. Yep. Yeah, I don't uh, – now, I have noticed over the years, because uh, I, I try to document what I've seen, what the moon position is, but but I definitely don't let that be a part of my planning of a hunt. I just hunt. Yeah. If I get an opportunity to hunt, I'm going to the woods or I'm going to the tree. Yeah, I heard that. That's how I've always been raised up to hunt too, but I mean – I'll say this, when it comes to a full moon, I will change my strategy up. I will sit later in the day, even though, or at least stand, because your ass will get tired after a while. But uh, I'd say full moon is really the only time where I'm like, I change my tactics, I should say, up. Yeah. Other than that, I just get out there when I can. And the day I killed the big deer, uh, you know, it was coming off a couple days after the full moon. And, uh, you know, I shot that deer at 1230. So, Damn. you know, most, and that was November 1st. And I can guarantee you 99% of Arkansas hunters, November 1st are at home eating a bologna sandwich during at 1230 in the evening. And that's when I killed that deer. Yeah. So. That's another thing too. Just staying after it. And here kind of going into that, what do you, as a whitetail hunter sitting out there, you got a lot of time to think, what do you do to kind of keep yourself still in the game or like recycle yourself up because sometimes you can hit a low and like man what am i doing i feel like i'm wasting my time you know what i mean you know i 
I don't know. I don't. I don't guess I really have that problem. I'm pretty patient when it comes to deer hunting, anyway. So I I can literally sit in the tree. I mean, I, sometimes you know I might not even bring food. You know, I I can sit all day if I have to. Oh yeah, I will too. Uh, now it, it, it it's also if, if I know there's a good one there, you know, obviously that helps. Yes. If I'm hunting blind and I don't know that anything's in the area, it might be a little different. But I do. I just enjoy sitting in the woods and being out there, so I, that's not a problem for me. Okay. I mean, I'd, I'd much rather be perched up in a tree than I had to be at work. So that's oh, kind of way I look at it. A freaking men to that, dude. I understand completely. Now, let me ask you this: You're talking about cameras and stuff. Are you like methodical on like how you like grid, like set it up like a grid, or are you just kind of like finding game trails and say this looks like a good spot, that looks like a good yeah. spot? Uh, well, a little of both. If, if if I'm if I'm just trying to find deer, yeah, I'm throwing them out on any any kind of deer sign I can find, whether it be a trail, feed tree, uh, funnel area, anything like that to try to find one. But now once I key in on one, then I really I really start, you know, putting them out, kind of like you said in a grid pattern on all different areas, even areas where I think I wouldn't see one, just to know, just to make, just to kind of find out where his territory is at. Yeah, catch a straggler, you never know. <laughs> yep, yep. So that's kind of how I use the trail cameras. And obviously, you know, I wish, and I, I've done it to myself before. You can get overloaded running, trying to run too many cameras because it, you know, it takes time to check all these cameras. Yeah, for um, sure. And then also, it, you know, it gets expensive running a lot of cameras. So, you know, I, I try to keep it to a minimum. Do you run uh, any cellular cameras? I only run a couple because ninety percent of the places I hunt does not have good cell signal yeah so yeah. i only run a couple and those those the ones that i do run uh, are just in areas that have that have good sales signal i heard that i got one and i ain't even used it yet my wife bought it for me it's still in the damn package and yeah if i you know if i the areas i hunt if i if i if, they, if it had sales signal and i could run sale cameras i'd be pretty dangerous because you know knowing where a deer is at the exact time that that can be can be handy but oh, i yeah. don't have that i don't have that luxury on my areas i hunt well that's kind of how me growing up we never really we never got on a hunting club until i was 16 years old we always just hunted public land and mm -hmm. that through that i never really used game cameras that much because i figured i look i'd rather see the sign there i know say look the deer walking through here i'll take what the woods can give me and yeah. uh and i mean I'm, i've had off not that i haven't had opportunities to get on a hunting club but I'm kind of, and this is going to sound a little, I guess, not selfish or anything, but I'm kind of tired of hunting the same woods because yep. it's just like I'm over here, or I should say in this region of Georgia, it's kind of a public land desert. To go to somewhere uh -huh. good, I at least got a 45 to an hour drive, at least. Yeah. But I yeah. drive, I'll drive two or three hours to get to my spot, you know? And I mean, the place that I have close, the WMA, sucks it's they've yeah. put up too much gates it's not maintained well and yeah. if you want to get on pri private you got to be about a lawyer doctor or be family <laughs> that's just yeah. how it is yeah, yeah. and it's a, just a challenge it's nothing you got to take on and then we get it done yeah. and we kill deer I mean, it's just how it is well you know? and it, it's all relative and the thing and i hunt private and, and public both but i i can honestly tell you that if i go and spend time on public and i get it done on public it is 10 times more satisfying to get it done on public land where everybody where everybody has the same opportunity um it's a lot more gratification like you just said but yeah. i'm still hold i'm just holding out until i find the right hunting club because it's yeah. not feasible with my work schedule it's hard to plan hunts on the week because sometimes it don't work out you know yeah. what i mean yeah so it's better to have and you get more chances like you say having your butt in the stand if you have somewhere local to go and Plus, being able to pattern deer, that makes a big damn difference. Yep, it does. It's, you know, there's a word that a lot of people don't use, and that word is relative. The situation, you know, it, it's all relative, and there are so many factors that, that come into play with that. For sure. Now, you're, we got, you got talking about video or recording your hunts. How did you get into that? Because I'm looking to start, I've only been doing this podcast for two years now. And I'm Rome wasn't built in a day, and I'm laying a brick at a time. 
how did you get started into video videography and like stuff you learned the hard way or just lessons learned a lot at? Uh, really I just I always I guess I'd have to say my dad my, my dad was a big bow hunter uh, back in the 90s when I was young and he he, he bought a camera and I, he'd always come home and he, he'd film some of his hunts and I always enjoyed watching what he filmed. Oh. Uh, so that kind of got me wanting to get a camera and and then it turned into you know after i killed a lot of deer i, I always I, I like a challenge and that's one reason why i went traditional i just love the challenge for sure and throwing throwing the camera in there trying to capture it all on self film uh that's just another challenge it so, is i got a buddy who does I, it he's got like a sony camera ones that the legit hunting shows use and he said it's yep. a it's a pain in the ass having to tote all that stuff up a tree. It is a absolute pain in my ass every time I go to the tree with it. But it's worth it. The days that I don't go with it are the days that something happens where I wished I would have had it. So I try. I don't take them a hundred percent of the time because there are days where I get burned out and I'm just like, man, I just want to go hunt. I yes. ain't trying to worry about getting no video. I just want to go hunt and relax. Mm-hmm. And those are some of my favorite days. Uh, but I do try to carry it with me most of the time. And it's, it's kind of turned into now that I really like to, I really like to help younger guys that are getting into hunting and trying to get into traditional hunting. So, you know, I, I do it for that too, to help people out. But, uh, well, that's how I found it. Cause when I was looking at stick bows, your video is one of the first ones to pop up between you and like the stick boys and all that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And those are, I love the stick boys. They're good guys. Really good. Yes. I had Ethan on help out. I had yeah. Ethan on here and he's, he's a really cool dude. I want to have Dalton on soon. Yeah. They're really good guys. Really good guys. And they're killers too. <laughs> <laughs> they're killers. They're killers. You don't want to be a deer and walk by one of those guys. Hell no. <laughs> now I got another question. You being in Arkansas, Please tell me you've heard of the Falk Monster. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually so had. I was actually. Yeah, I was actually obsessed with that a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I kept up with all that stuff. Yes, I actually had the director's daughter on here, and it was pretty cool talking to her because my dad he grew up in that generation, and I was probably shit, 12, 11, 12 years old. Out, we were out hunting and all that. He said, "You need to watch this sh- movie." I can't tell was you how it many, Boggy, was it was it Boggy Creek? Yes, I got the DVD at my house, man. It's a staple of my childhood. Oh yeah, I've, I've got a, I've, there. You know, there's two of them. Yeah, I heard the second one wasn't as good, but I it, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, it's kind of funny. I was uh, man, when I was a kid, I I watched that all the time myself. Dude, I'm a Bigfoot fanatic. I I think he's out there. He's just really good at hiding. <laughs> But, well, kind of, like I said, pretty much got over everything that I pretty much wanted to talk about. Is there anything else you want to mention? If it's definitely tell people where they can find you, especially your YouTube channel. Oh, uh, yeah, you can uh, find me on YouTube. It's just my name, uh, Jonathan Moreland. It's with the H, spelled a little different. Um, but uh got a few videos on there, and I've, I've got a lot of videos put together that I actually haven't put out there yet. And then yeah. planning on doing – doing a lot more filming this year uh when i get hot and heavy on hunting here in a couple couple weeks so hope to get a a lot of fresh stuff up there this year i heard that that's what i'm i'm trying i got my youtube channel made i ain't got a single video uploaded yet so i just i got a lot of fire under my ass and get going with it yeah i'm not very good at keeping consistent content up because i'm too busy trying to hunt and i'm a one-man show so I, it me takes too. me a while to sit down on the computer and put all that crap together and i hate that part of it yeah that's but, uh, i didn't mind it when i had the time but now it's like like these last eight months it's been crazy so yeah. i just been able to put out episodes when i can because i i tried to do an episode a week and for a while there i was doing pretty good with it i was racking yeah. them up but like I say, just one thing is just keep chipping away and eventually that tree will fall. Yeah, that's it. But, man, I really want to thank you for coming on. And the door is always open. And, heck, if you got anybody you think would be cool, we can have another episode. Okay. Well, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, good luck this season. You uh, too, man. You get after it. I appreciate it. 
You have a good All evening, right. man. All right, man. You too. See you later. See you. Bye.